Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 64 of Histories of the Unexpected, in which we demonstrate that everything, and I mean simply everything, has a history, like apricots, bayonets, and canyons. You can tell that I didn't write that. I wrote that. I wrote. <laughs> I wrote that. But for me, Sam, it's eggs, pegs, and begs, quills, wills, and sills, or maybe even pills, bills, and hills. They don't have to rhyme. They don't have to rhyme. No, no. And we'll be following the links in our minds as we come across them, explaining how those histories link together in unexpected ways. Who knew, for example, Sam? Who knew that the history of skin? is in fact all about political communication, snow and disease. Although the history of the dog is not just about fleas, it's about friendship and civilization itself. Mm, I didn't know those things. No. The man sitting opposite me is the ghost of Christmas past himself. It's Professor Extraordinaire of Early Modern British History at Plymouth University. It's James Daybell. Hello. Hello and thank you for that wonderful introduction. And the man sitting opposite me is the St. Nicholas of the National Past. It's the famous historical adventurer, the truly wonderful Dr. Sam Willis. Hello, everyone. Um, this week we're doing a Christmas special. Hello, happy Christmas, everyone. Happy Christmas. I'm, I've become a bit sort of fed up with everyone being really Christmassy and having a Christmas market. And you did this last year. You're, you're, you're a bit of a Scrooge <laughs> in, in Christmas. <laughs> Maybe I am deep down. Deep down. And last, last year you, you talked about putting rubbish on Christmas trees. Oh, no, that's a really good idea. Yes. That's very creative and quite cool. Yes. I'm not doing it to persecute Christmas. No, but your house, we're filming, we're, we're filming, we're recording in mm. Sam's amazing shed. We are in my shed, so um, um, it's on a railway embankment, so if you hear a loud noise coming, it's because there's a train. So, um, or, or a dog on a, on a cushion in front of the fire. Making train noises. Making train noises. <laughs> oh, yeah, but that. Sam's house is amazingly decorated. Ah, thank you very nice. Don't you think? Yes, I, I was struck. I haven't decorated my... Not um, in here. Not my shed. But, no. Anyway, what are we doing today, James? We're going to be talking about all things Christmassy. We've got lots of interesting yes. Christmas things, haven't we? Because we've um, we thought about doing this because of uh, we we've done a chapter on the history of chimneys history for of chimneys. our book, yes. and we also did chimneys at the London Podcast Festival, we which did. we hope is going to come out as a dedicated podcast. We're just waiting to actually get the file. Yes, <laughs> but um, we thought we'd, we'd do a little stuff about chimneys, didn't we? Yes, but a little bit about chimneys, and then a little bit of sort of Christmas cheer yeah. for everyone. Yeah. So for us. The history of Christmas is, in fact, all about chimneys. Mm, for uh, me, it's all about out-of-body experiences, which I'm going to take you through in a minute. Oh, my God. That's like Christmas Carol. It, it is like Christmas Carol. It's Scrooge's but it's more interesting out-of-body experiences. I've got, a, uh, I've got a very cool example, which is like Scrooge, but I think better. It's a Robert Louis Stevenson one, which no one knows about. 
brilliant. It well, is. what are we going to start with? Chimneys. Chimneys. Why don't you start with your surprising discovery up a chimney? Okay, so one of the things that we, we talked about with chimneys was um, how they're a really interesting place in the household, aren't they? Where people put things around the bottom of chimneys. I don't really want to go over it too much because we've got this no, entire no, we've thing. Done, we've done but it. one yeah. of the key things is that, uh, which, which, which links to the idea of going up and down chimneys, is people putting things up chimneys. Um, And that means that so you can either burn stuff and that can go up a chimney or you can use the chimney as a repository, a kind of a, it might be drafty, you might want to hide things up chimney and historians have found the most wonderful things up chimneys. Amazing stuff. Which have either been put there to be preserved up the chimney or the opposite to be destroyed. Um, Obviously one of the, one of the most uh, clear things that people regularly put up chimneys are letters to... Father Christmas. Letters to Father Christmas. Santa Claus, St Nicholas. Right. So that means that historians and house historians and archaeologists, people investigating old houses and people just doing up their houses, you knock through a wall, you go and explore the chimney, have found the most wonderful examples of letters to Father Christmas. We've got them uh, down back to the Victorian period. There are quite a few from the 20s and 30s, which is interesting. They're all sort of singed. And they give us a wonderful glimpse into childhood desires and wants from particular periods and in particular locations, which is something that you and I are really interested yeah, in. So it's not it's fascinating. Not, this isn't, isn't it? just the history of childhood desires and wants generally. Yeah. It's the childhood desires and wants from one particular street in Dublin in eighteen ninety six or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. It's a very, very yeah. specific thing which you can get our handles on. But the um I think all of the interesting things that I've found hidden up chimneys or I've read about that were found hidden up chimneys were this amazing map from the 17th century. Yeah. Um, and it, it was a very rare thing and um, it would have been one of only a handful of maps of the world, early printed map of the world from the early, early 1600s. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this would have once been the, the talk of the town, the talk of a house, the talk of a street, the talk of a city. And then at some point, someone realised that the chimney was a bit drafty and they stuffed it up the chimney. Um, and, and you you also found that um, that children's letter, didn't you, in Dublin yes. in 1911? Yes, uh, that was by um, Alfred and Hannah Howard, um, and it's oh, it's the sweetest little letter. It's um, I want a baby doll and a waterproof with a hood and a pair of gloves and a toffee apple and a gold penny and a silver sixpence and a long toffee. <laughs> a long toffee. What's that? A long toffee, it's like one of those uh, quality street toffees, I imagine, huh. that you, you know, sort of long... A long thing, so not like something a, you chew like for a long, long time. Thin, oh, I don't know. I think it might be something it you might chew be for a long, long time. I think, it it's, a, a I think long... that's, a, that's a, like an Edwardian gobstopper. Yeah. But that, we were talking about this earlier, raises the interesting question of the history of the list. Ah. Aha. Right, yes. so we are going to be talking about what's coming next year, but one of the things we are most excited about doing is the history of the list. So I've written quite a lot, a lot of lists today. I've done my Christmas shopping list. I've done my... I haven't done a, li- a list of Father Christmas. My kids have. Um, and there are lots of lists. And if you're walking around town at the moment with everyone doing their Christmas shopping, I keep finding lists on the floor. And early Father Christmas Santa Claus lists is a, is a wonderful example of the history of the list. It is. Mm. I hadn't thought of that. I, too... Uh, compiled a list today, uh, having dropped my kids at school. Mm. I went to a local hotel and got myself a large coffee and sat down in a very comfortable armchair and constructed a list of chapters and topics for our next secret book. Oh, yes. We can't tell our listeners about that. Possibly not yet, but it's on the unexpected history of the Tudors. It's on the way. It's on the way. (laughs) 
Yeah, so we're doing a little series. So we've just done our big book, The Histories of the Unexpected, which basically... Uh, there goes a train. Hello, train. Hello, train. Um, the uh, histories of the unexpected, which presents our idea, everything we've done for the last year, and all sorts of new and exciting things. We're going to do a little series, aren't we? Yep. yep. Um, and so your list was a work-based was list. Was a work-based list yeah. for, or for you know, things to things to write. Yeah. In future. Anyway, lists up chimneys. So I'm talking. Yes. My suggestion, my idea here was our Christmas thing. It's kids putting. Letters to Father Christmas up a chimney. So what's going on with chimneys? Because the other half of it is Father Christmas coming down. The other half, and and this is all about the invention of Christmas. Hmm. The invention of Christmas, which is a, a 19th century American invention. Father Christmas coming down the chimney. You will all know Clement C. Moore's Twas the Night Before Christmas, which was first published in uh, 1822 and then in the New York Sentinel, 23rd of December, 1823, uh, where he he basically describes uh, Father Christmas as a as a sort of a, a magic old elf. Am I allowed to read this? Am I allowed to indulge Let's do and that. read? I'm going to be reading a bit in a minute. Twas the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, and the chimney's there, in the hopes that Saint Nicholas soon would be there. The children were nestled all snug in their beds while visions of sugar plums danced in their heads and Mamma in her kerchief and I in my cap had just settled down for a long winter's nap. When out on the lawn there arose such a clatter I sprang from the bed to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutters and threw up the sash. The moon on the breast of the new-fallen snow gave the luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a miniature sleigh and eight tiny reindeer. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be Saint Nick. More rapid than eagles, his coursers they came, and he whistled and shouted and called them by name. Now Dasher, now Dancer, now Prancer and Vixen, on Comet, on Cupid, on Donna and Blitzen. To the top of the porch, to the top of the wall, now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the wild hurricane fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the housetop, the corners they flew, with the sleigh full of toys, and St Nicholas too. And then in a twinkling I heard on the roof the prancing and pouring of each little hoof. As I drew in my hand and was turning around, down the chimney St Nicholas came with a bound. He was dressed all in fur from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all tarnished with ashes and soot, a bundle of toys he had flung on his back, and he looked like a peddler just opening his pack. His eyes how they twinkled, his dimples how merry, his cheeks were like roses, his nose like a cherry, his droll little mouth was drawn up like a bow, and the beard of his chin was as white as the snow. The stump of a pipe he held tight in his teeth, and the smoke it encircled his head like a wreath. He had a broad face and a round little belly that shook when he laughed like a bowl full of jelly. He was chubby and plump, a right jolly old elf, and I laughed when I saw him in spite of myself. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word but went straight to his work and filled all the stockings, then turned with a jerk and laying his finger aside of his nose and giving a nod up the chimney he rose. He sprang to his sleigh, to his team gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him explain, ere he drove out of sight, Happy Christmas to all, and to all 
a good night. Now, this is one of the first occasions... It was very well read. It was incredibly well read. <laughs> I should go on the stage. Um, but this is one of the first occasions in literature where we have Father Christmas actually coming down the chimney. Ah, huh. um, actually bodily coming down the chimney. So it's it's the invention of him coming down. And if you think about popular representations of him, you know, in cartoons and films and books, the Grinch, you know, Dr. Zeus's serpent-like Grinch coming down, slides down the chimney. Raymond Briggs' Father Christmas comes down the chimney and there's a wonderful sort of cutaway of the house where you can see him sort of coming down uh, the chimney. The song When Santa Got Stuck Up the Chimney. Yes, all in, good. In, yep. in fact, I did that when I was four years old. Mm. Uh, there's a picture of me in a nativity. Not so as, as, as Father Christmas. Oh, right, as Father Christmas. Chimney. Right. It was a cardboard box. I'd like to see a um, photo of you stuck up a chimney. But this this is absolutely absolutely new. You would like, I, I was I was actually going to bring it in, but I didn't have time this morning. That's a shame. Um, but this this is new. I mean, the uh, the version that you had of the Christmas sort of St Nicholas story before that was Washington Irving's uh, Knickerbocker's History of New York, where you see him rattling down the chimney. So what he's doing is he's dropping stuff down the chimney rather than actually coming down himself. And this also links to what you were saying earlier on about the chimney. And the chimney, historically, has always been this sort of portal between the supernatural world yeah. and the and the natural world. Yeah. So it's this and it, it's this sort of it's actually, you know, um, a sort of passageway between them and something that that's a sort of occasioned social anxiety. Yeah. So it's the kind of um, it's the place that all the sort of evil goblins and ghosties would sort of come down, which is why pe another reason why people put things in chimneys. And there's your scare... Oh, the foot of the, chimneys. The, the foot of chimneys. Yeah, yeah. So the scare cats and things like that to sort of keep people away. Or old shoes. Yeah. A scare cat, if you don't know, um, is something I've become slightly obsessed with recently when we did our history of cats. Yeah. Um, they are cats that are posed in positions of catching mice or rats. Yeah. Um, and used in the same way as a scarecrow to scare crows, except not physically to scare the crow because they're already dead. But it's, it's like a kind of a spell, isn't yeah. it? Anyway, but chimneys is one of the places that you would put a scare yeah. cat. Yeah, and supernatural beings like Father Christmas have long been associated with chimneys. And if you go back to uh, uh, sort of earlier in history in, in Greece and Serbia, the Kalikanserai are these sort of Christmas goblins who come down the chimney. What a great during name. The Kalikanserai, yeah. wonderful. From the, um, they, they come down the chimney and wreak havoc for 12 days over the Christmas period. In Italy, we have Bafana, the Christmas witch, who comes down and puts gifts in shoes. Huh. Um, so, you know, this idea... We should also do something about the invention of stockings. Yep. You know, because... Um, you mean Christmas in stockings? Me Christmas stockings. In many, well, we in should many, also do... In many cultures... Legs and stockings. Legs and, yeah. In many cultures, it's putting 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 shoes. Yep. 16th century Holland, uh, St Nicholas would drop gold coins down the chimney. And I like the noises coming down the chimney. That's yeah. really interesting. Um, and actually, I just just noted a couple of things here, just just to butt in quite rudely. No, do it does raise the question of um, see, we haven't got a chimney. No, my, my I live in a Victorian house, but it hasn't got a chimney. We've got a wood burner, so I've kind of got a chimney, but it's more of a stove thing. But how do you explain that to your children? That's the question. So 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 having to explain how far the Christmas comes down the chimney is very difficult in the modern world where a large number of people don't yeah. live in houses with chimneys. And I think the fact that this story came to came into being, um, what were the dates of those 
that kind of that first example of Father Christmas. Eighteen twenty-two, twenty-three. Right, chimneys are pretty common in the eighteen twenties, and you know everyone. Well, most people live in a house with an open fire chimney. It's a completely standard thing, Um, like a window. When you'd have a window, you'd have a chimney. We don't have that now. So how do you? How how, it'd be fascinating to find out how people who live in inner cities, high rises, when yeah. that started yeah. coming about, when, when people started living on top of each other, that's when chimneys stopped really coming about. And then if the Father Christmas myth changed then, or whether it managed to endure because of it. And we, we now put things um, near the chimney, and the kids don't think it's weird that Father Christmas can somehow get through um, a wood-burning stove pipe. Actually, the, no. the only interesting example of addressing this... Hang on, hang on. I watched a film um, with the kids the other day, and uh, I don't know what it was called. Um, it's really annoying. But Father Christmas's sleigh has a kind of toolkit on it, right? And each of these devices somehow enabled Father Christmas to get into the house. So it was Ooh. actually like a toolkit to enable him to get into flats, houses with small chimneys, houses with no chimneys. It was really interesting. There was one which he put down a small chimney, and it expanded... Whoa. And allowed him to get access. It's not Arthur Christmas. Don't think it was Arthur no. Christmas. No, but it allowed him to get access to it, and then out again. So that's the only example of someone Clever. actually addressing it. Um, so there is a history that we don't know anything about of the Christmas Father Christmas story changing in relation to social housing issues. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit get 30, bit get 20, 20, 20, bit get 20, 20, bit get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. <laughs> next year How next that? year that will be coming to you next can year can someone please research that and tell me you need to go to somewhere like I think children don't think very hard I think the the innocence of childhood allows it to allows it to happen people teleport in in some way doesn't matter through a mouse as hole. long as you get a present yes. at the end I'm just hoping my six-year-old and eight-year-old haven't twigged I think my <laughs> eight-year-old has twigged mm. but I told her that if if she does then there won't be any presents the other so thing I liked believes. about that, um, she does believe. She does believe. Well, she d- she doesn't really believe, but I think she's just suspending belief 
in order to have presents and not to ruin her six-year-old sister's belief in Father Christmas. It's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So we, we have one of the funny thing in my family, as I'm a historian and I'm on telly quite a lot, is that I sit down in front of fantasy films <laughs> like like Father Christmas sort of going up chimneys and I point out all of the things that aren't true to the kids. And I'm like, no, that's not real uh, because spaceships can't do that. And you've done that from an early it age. It drives them. them absolutely nuts, especially if I'm sitting down and watching something like Shrek or, um, oh. or Star Wars. And I'm like, no, 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 because Death Stars, Death Star, that's just not real. You know, the physics of Death Stars, that, that doesn't work like that. Anyway. <laughs> it's spoil sport. It drives him potty. Anyway, they cleverly turned it back on me with the Christmas thing um, and started, like, beating me up for claiming that elves and Father Christmas were not real, which I thought was quite clever. Very clever. And it made me feel quite scroogey. I bet it does. The other thing I really liked about your poem, which kicked all this off, yes. was the rhythm and meter of it. Can, you, can yes. you read the first verse again for me? If, if on demand, yes. yes. <laughs> Do I have to pay for work? Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a stop. mouse. Oh, mouse. Okay, right. Do it again and stop the last line, the last word. Twas the night. <laughs> Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a. There we are. Now, everyone listening, you could. It's it's quite a fun game to guess what the last word of this is. This is doggerel. It's a really nice very attractive, very accessible form of poetry. Yeah. And it has its own history, but it's particularly associated with children's poetry and also with Christmas. Mm. So there are an enormous amount of very famous poems written in doggerel at Christmas. And doggerel's a way... So Chaucer, basically, was well known for his very, very early examples of of doggerel. Yeah. So I'm going to read you another Ah! uh, uh, Christmas poem, and I, I think it's interesting for a number of reasons. My first reason is that I think there is an accepted kind of standard Christmas um, library of Christmas imagery, right, that exists. It's probably quite complicated, and it probably has its own history, that we now have a different library of Christmas imagery than, say, they had in the 1850s, 1860s. So A toolbox of tropes. Thank you. So I want everyone to listen out for what you think is Christmas imagery. So in, in music, Christmas song pretty much has to have sleigh bells in it, a yes. decent yep. one, right. Um, but in films and in poetry and stuff, it's the same thing. Um, and this is also uh, written in doggerel, which means you can guess the... Uh, the. I'd like you to have a guess of the, the missing word to see if you can do it. Can you do that? It's quite long, so you'll only do that at the I will beginning. have a go. I will have a go. Oh, yeah. um, I will just do it occasionally, and you've got okay. to jump in with the okay. words. Right. This can I, can is, I make things up? I will tell you if it's right or wrong. Okay. Yeah, and everyone listening, you can do it as well. It's like a podcast poetry game, which I've just invented right now. Okay, brilliant. It might brilliant. not work. Uh, there's a train, everyone. Hello, I wonder where that's going. That's probably going to... It's a long train. Waterloo, I think. Right, here we go. It's called Christmas at Sea by Robert Louis... Stevenson. Very, very good, very good, very good. Um, and he was born 1815. He died in... No idea. 1894. 1894. Oh, yeah. Young. Really youngish. Really young. I should have known that. This is a brilliant poem, and it is why I will go on to explain Christmas is all about out-of-body experiences. Okay. The sh- so he's on a boat, right? Christmas at sea. Yep. The sheets were frozen hard and they cut the naked hand. The decks were like a slide where a seaman scarce could... 
Land. Stand. Stand. The wind was a nor'wester blowing squally off the sea and cliffs and spouting breakers were the only things a lee. They heard the surfer roaring before the break of day, but was only with the peep of light we saw how ill we lay. We tumbled every hand on deck instanter with a shout and we gave her the main topsail and stood by to go about. All day we tacked and tacked between the south head and the north. All day we hauled the frozen sheets but got no further forth. All day as cold as charity in bitter pain and dread. For very life and nature we tacked from head to head. We gave the south a wider berth, for there the tide race roared. But every tack we made we brought the north head close aboard. So as we saw the cliff and houses and the breakers running high and the coast guard in his garden with his glass against his... Aye. The frost was on the village roofs, as white as ocean foam. The good red fires were burning bright in every longshore. Home. The windows sparkled clear, and the chimneys volleyed out. And I vow we sniffed the victuals as the vessel went about. The bells upon the church were rung with a mighty jovial cheer. For it's just that I should tell you how, of all days in the... Year... This day of our adversity was blessed Christmas morn, and the house above the Coast Guards was the house where I was born. Right. Going to pause there. So this is a wonderful story of a guy in a bit of trouble on a big square rig ship beneath some cliffs. And uh, he can see through this spyglass there are houses up in the cliffs. Uh, so Robert Louis Stevenson was brought up in a lighthouse. Hmm. Um, he, hmm. he was. So he I knows all about Coast Guard contributions. Right. He knows about lighthouses. He can describe storms. Yeah. This is when we get into um, what I would describe as the Christmas out-of-body experience. Okay. So he uh, is just telling you, he's looking in through a house, and we just told us that it's actually the house where he was born. Um, What we're not sure about now is what happens next, is whether he's actually looking through in real time, or whether he is just having a bit of a moment and thinking about his family. Hmm. So it's a moment of cold, moment of danger, moment of loneliness, and he's thinking about his family on Christmas Day. His life is rushing before his very eyes. Oh, well, I saw the pleasant room, the pleasant faces there, my mother's silver spectacles, my father's silver... Hair. And well, I saw the firelight like a flight of homely elves go dancing round the china plates that stand upon the shelves. And well, I knew the talk they had, the talk that was of me, of the shadow on the household and the sun that went to sea. And oh, the wicked fool I seemed in every kind of way to be here and hauling frozen ropes on blessed Christmas Day. They lit the high sea light and the dark began to fall. All hands to loose to gallant sails, I heard the captain call. By the Lord, she'll never stand it, our first mate Jackson cried. It's the one way or the other, Mr Jackson, he replied. She staggered to her bearings, but the sails were new and good, and the ship smelt up to windward just as though she understood. As the winter's day was ending in the entry of the night, we cleared the wary headland and passed below the light. And they heaved a mighty breath, every soul on board but me, as they saw her nose again pointing handsome out to sea. But all that I could think of in the darkness and the cold was just that I was leaving home and my folks were growing old. Oh, Isn't that brilliant? Oh, brilliant. Yeah, slightly upsetting. Yes. Um, mortality. What it is, but it's, it, it is Miss Mortality. Um, I love the dog rule of it. Um, you could learn that. Kids can learn that. People could recite it. It's enjoyable. It's inclusive. Everyone gets it. You admire the poetry of it and the story of it. Yeah. But this, um, the key thing for me is this out-of-body experience as part of the Christmas story. Because the one that everyone really knows is um, 
Christmas Carol. Christmas Carol, which is terrific. I listen to it every year. Mm. In fact, I've listened to it three times already. Let's just briefly talk about the, the, the out-of-body experiences in The Christmas Carol. <laughs> Put me on the spot. Well, we all know The Christmas Carol story, Charles Dickens, um, which was uh, introduced in serial form at first. And um, it is the story of Ebenezer Scrooge, uh, who we all know is a, is a miser, um, and my favourite, actually, is the Chris, is the um, Muppets Christmas Carol version of it, which yeah. is which is superb. Uh, but he is visited by three spirits: uh, the spirit of Christmas past, Christmas present, and Christmas future. And he goes back, an out of body experience, and sees his his childhood, his childhood experience. And then he's taken to a sort of present day Christmas, where in particular he goes to the Cratchit household and sees his. Um, his clerk, Bob Cratchit, and his family, and then he's taken into the future to see himself. And one of the most chilling scenes in that in that short uh, little novella or story, Christmas story, is where he goes to his own uh, chambers and basically oversees his own deathbed. And there are a series of people who are basically dividing up his things. He doesn't know who who whose things they're dividing up and then he discovers that it's in fact him and he's taken off to see his his gravestone um he wakes up from this out of body experience and becomes a sort of a new man and and um goes to have christmas lunch with his um with his nephew and he sends an, an enormous turkey to the cratchits and then he catches bob coming in late the next day um pretends to sort of be very cross uh and then um and then says we need to talk about your your wages and he ups his wages and sends him out to get a, another scuttle of coal to put on the fire and, and all is well mm. so the out of body experience and a sort of feel good feel good Christmas Christmas story so yeah, so this is my concluding thought yes um, it's actually so Christmas is also with these out of body experiences which actually have their own history and I, I just googled them briefly before we started recording and they're amazing. We could do an entire podcast about out-of-body experiences, yep. oh, yes. which, surprise, surprise, have nothing to do with out-of-body experiences. Yes. They're also all sorts of other things. Apparently kids as young as six have them. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, it, oh, my God. I've never had you've one. Already, you you've, sure? you've, already got, you've already got me riffing. But as a historian, you come across them all the time. Right. OK, so that's interesting. Yes. And what's super interesting about this is this moment in the year, I'm going to argue that everyone basically becomes a historian. They become incredibly hmm. self-aware of a way that they are not for the rest of the year. And that self-awareness, that ability to look on your own life um, with, with, uh, with a, sort of a certain degree of kind of abstract thought yeah. is, is one of the key things that historians do. They look on certain periods on the, on the past. They're not judgmental. They, they study it. They say, that's interesting. Look what's happening there. And this out-of-body experience of everyone stopping down, thinking, looking at your family, admiring your family, looking yeah. at your friends, looking at your life as it is now, is a kind of... It's the, the sort of the essence of what being a historian is. So I think that everyone now, and particularly you podcast listeners, you are becoming closer to being a historian than you were before listening to this podcast because you're thinking about your own out-of-body experiences and yourself oh, good. in the abstract. Very good. Is that nonsense I think, or interesting? It's, it's, it's interesting. I think, I think the for, I think me, for me, it's not necessarily Christmas. It's that period between Christmas and New Year. Oh, OK. That's a sort of, a, it's a, for me, is always a time of real reflection and brings us back to lists. I always make a list of New Year's resolutions I so I was, every single year. I was going to suggest we did the list as a, one of our Christmas specials, Ooh. but I then changed my mind on 
on the walk with the dog. Ooh. Because um, I suddenly thought, actually, you can do it in the new year when people are yes. making resolutions. Yes. And you can talk about um, Christmas lists. Yes. And all sorts of other lists. Yes. Excellent. It sounds like fun, Very it? good. Um, can I, can, before we end... Yeah, you've got more. One of the things that I have... I have various Christmas rituals... Uh, one of which is, and we've we've read you out several sort of you know, li- the cake. Lit- literary, literary cake. pieces. We fed my cake last year. Yes, everyone listened to our. We did a Christmas podcast last we year. We did a Christmas podcast last in which year. We and feed we fed, James's cake, yes. which is not a euphemism. I haven't made a cake this year, <laughs> but one of the things I always do is I have a collection of Christmas books, and I read through Christmas books and Christmas stories every year as part of sort of getting me into the Christmas season. And I discovered this year a recording of British Library literary Christmas readings, uh, which is incredible, and I'm halfway through it. Um, But one of the things that I got from it was one of our favourites on this podcast is Samuel Pepys. Mm. And I wanted to end with an extract from Pepys' diary, Thursday the 25th of December, 1662, which was Christmas Day. Up pretty early, leaving my wife not well in bed. And with my boy, it being a most brave, cold and dry, frosty morning, and had a pleasant walk to Whitehall, where I intended to have received the communion with the family, but I came a little too late. So I walked up into the house and spent my time looking over pictures, particularly the ships of King Henry VIII's voyage to Bullin, in other words, Boulogne, marking the great difference between their build then and now. By and by, down to the chapel again, where Bishop Morley preached upon the song of the angels. Glory to God on high, on earth peace and goodwill towards men. Methought he made but a poor sermon, but long, and reprehending the mistaken jollity of the court for the true joy that shall and ought to be on these days, he particularised concerning their excess in plays and gaming, saying that he whose office it is to keep the gamesters in order and within bounds serves but for a second, rather, in a duel meaning the groom-porter, upon which it was worth observing how far they are come from taking the reprehensions of a bishop seriously, that they all laugh in the chapel when he reflected on their ill actions and courses. He did much press us to joy in these public days of joy and hospitality. Hello, train. But one that stood by whispered in my ear that the bishop himself do not spend one groat to the poor himself. The sermon done, a good anthem followed and vials, and then the king came down to receive the sacrament. But I stayed not. But calling my boy from my lord's lodgings and giving Sarah some good advice by my lord's order to be sober and look after the house, I walked home again with great pleasure, and there dined by my wife's bedside with great content, having a mess of brave plum porridge and a roasted pullet for dinner, and I sent for a mince pie abroad, my wife not being well to make any herself yet. After dinner, sat talking a good while with her, her pain become being become less, and then to see Sir William Penn a little, and so to my office, practising arithmetic alone, and making an end of last night's book with great content till eleven at night, and so home to supper and to bed. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it wonderful? I do love Peeps. Love him. Yeah. Um, I'd like one of those mince pies he had and the plum porridge. Yes, I know. Mm. And a pullet. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much for listening, everyone. Thank you. Um, And if you've enjoyed uh, what you've heard here, do um, check out historyhit.com and all of the other podcasts 
that are there. We're very proud to be part of Dan Snow's History Hit Net, um, Podcast Network. We certainly are. Um, and if you want to find out any more about what we're doing, um, check out historyhit.com forward slash unexpected. There'll be show notes, there'll be photographs, um, all sorts of bits and pieces and Christmas goodies. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.